0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. I hope you had a good sleep last night. So let's begin with a little meditation. And uh, I'll guide you in this one. If you'd like to just make yourself comfortable, adjust your posture. feel physically settled in close your eyes and let's come fully into the present so just make contact with uh, the sensations in your body the weight of your body against the cushion feeling of the clothing against your skin various sounds Seem to hear a refrigerator in the background. And there will probably be some traffic noises, maybe a barking dog or something as we go along. Now, as we settle into this present moment with your eyes closed, there are really going to be three kinds of things that come up in your awareness. There's going to be mental things, thoughts, images. There's going to be sounds. We just heard the sound of the door there. And then there's going to be the sensations in your body. So now, just for a moment, I want you to sit here, or, or I shouldn't say a moment, for a few minutes here. Sit here and just be present with all three of those kinds of things. And. Let your attention move from one to another of those as it will. But try to be aware of those moves. You might notice there's a certain restless quality to the movements of your attention. You might also notice that the longer you sit here, there's a tendency for attention to move to thoughts. And as you know from past experience, even if it hasn't happened yet this morning, is a very strong tendency to get lost in those thoughts so what i'm going to ask you to do now is restrict the movements of your attention to the sensations in your body and to the sounds. allow yourself to be aware of the thoughts that come up but try to restrict attention from moving to those thoughts Other than that restriction, let your attention go wherever it will. Let it linger as long as it wants to on any one thing. What you hear and what you feel are just one large field of awareness. What I want you to particularly be aware of is how within that field there is a focus, and that focus tends to move very frequently. you to further restrict the movements of attention to the sensations that you experience in your body. In other words, just as with thoughts, let the sounds be there in the awareness, in the background, but don't let attention go to the sounds. As you sit here, let attention move through the sensations of the body as it will, allowing everything else to be in awareness. And as you do this, if you become aware of any tension anywhere in your body, just let go of it. Likewise, if you find that there's something about the way you're sitting that isn't just quite right, you need to move your foot just any bit or readjust your shoulders, go ahead and do intentionally direct your attention to the sensations in your left hand. Explore those sensations. that as you're exploring those sensations you're still aware of the sound of the air conditioning, the dog barking outside, the feelings in the rest of your body. Now shift your attention to your nose and to the sensations of the air moving in and out as you breathe. you're following those sensations notice that you're still aware of sounds sensations in the rest of your body probably thoughts and other mental objects to a certain following the sensations of the breath, without losing attention to those sensations, assess the overall state of your body. You might find that it's still, it's comfortable, it's relaxed, whatever it is. Assess the state of your body in awareness while still following the sensations of do the same thing with your mind. What I mean is while your attention is still focused on the sensations of the breath, become aware of the state of your mind. Assess your mental state. Peaceful, happy, agitated, restless, whatever. With your attention still anchored to the sensations of the breath of the nose, be aware of the state of your mind and the state of your body at the same time. It's possible that this will result in an odd feeling of vibration or energy in your body, but that's not right. Just observe mind and body together with your peripheral awareness while your attention is following the ground. Now take a deep breath, and as you let it out, still following the sensations of the breath, I want you to shift the emphasis so that it's just on the physical, on the body and the sound. Let awareness of the mind still be there. Just relax into being present physically, sensations of your body, sound. Okay, let's do it now, take a deep breath. be present with it all at once, the sensations of the breath at the nose, all of the other sensations in your body, all of the external smell. So you should be following the sensations of the breath, but not too tightly, not too closely, because you're also wanting to be aware of sounds and sensations in your body. That's where I, that's what I want you to be doing. You need to adjust the degree of focus. Do it now, so that your attention is focused, but you still have ample awareness of body sensations and sound relaxed observation of the sensations of it. you to notice the difference between having a thought and being aware that you're having a thought. I want you to notice the difference between your attention going from the sensations of the breath to some other sensation or sound and knowing that attention is making that movement. difference between knowing you're having a thought and having a thought. The difference between knowing your attention is moving and the experience of being more attentive to something else. Anyone want to comment on anything that they experienced in that little exercise?
1: Well, it seemed like when I
2: was when I was focused on something specific and my mind picked up a sound, for instance there was the subtlest kind of flux, uh, fluctuation. It was like pixelation. It, it's like if a light goes, seems steady, if you really look at it, it's going <coughs> It's on and off, zeros and ones. Like. So it seems, it's very subtle, but it seems like what the flow was an awareness of something else was a going back and forth between the object of focus and the object of picking something up.
0: So, for example, you're... Watching the sensations of your nose, and the dog starts barking, it's like your mind that just quickly happens. flickers back over. It. Anybody else notice that? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what that's what happens. There's that instability that because your attention briefly goes to those other things. I think yeah. I had
2: something similar, but it was with the um, peripheral and the attention when I was trying to hold them at the same time. Yeah. I got this tension, kind of, but mm-hmm. then every once in a while, everything would just kind of go, it would like, I'd let go yeah. of both of them, okay. sort of.
0: Uh, very, very good, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else experience that? Yeah.
2: One of the things that was kind of articulated, when you, the, the last assignment part of watching being aware of the thought, and I'm I'm saying watching the thought instead of, I'm thinking of it instead of being taken away by the thought, and then being attentive to your body. And then I noticed when I was thinking about doing that, that then everything kind of activated, and it took a while to calm down to sort of become that exercise. (laughs) But I was having discomfort in my stomach, and I kept getting. Called to that because it was the most noticeable thing, and then, then I'm thinking, well, what what is the um, wh- where is attention? Is like it's sort of like you know if there's a, a tree falls in the forest, if there's a sound, if nobody hears it, <laughs> and and then it would go maybe a little bit but they were both saying, then then things calm down. Yeah. But it, but I was sort of thinking, where where is um. And, and it's like, well, what is what is attention? I mean, like I guess it goes into what you were talking about last night too, because there's so many things that we give attention to, and I was giving attention to the things that were bothering me first, and
0: then that changed. Yeah. Okay. So yes, what this little exercise was about was to help you to explore this question of what is attention and what is awareness. And as you said, the tendency, if we want to, you know, we say, okay, I'm going to keep my attention here, I'm going to be aware of everything else. The tendency at first is to to go from here to there, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. keep back and forth. So what your natural tendency to follow that instruction uh, until you've tried it, what you're going to do is you're going to try to... Alternate your attention between one focus and everything else. But as you said, every now and then you just sort of relax and let go. when that happens, what's happening is the difference between the awareness that's already there and the attention becomes clear. Because you really, you're you're already peripherally aware of everything else but you're, you're making that awareness more intense by actually alternating your attention with all those other objects. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. But, and when you do that, of course, that's a very busy kind of activity in the mind. It's very tiring. But it's, it's what we naturally tend to do until we discover that you can just relax and be aware at the same time you're focusing attention. So that's, that's the difference. I mean everybody believes they know what the difference is between attention and peripheral awareness, but there's actually some subtleties to it that you that you can become more deeply acquainted with. And when you become more deeply acquainted with of course the result is you can work with it in a more productive way. It's easier doesn't have the same degree of attention, uh, tension, tens- uh, effort involved in uh. it. The other thing, the last thing I ask you to do is to notice the difference between having a thought and knowing that you have a thought, the difference between the attention going to the barking of the dog and knowing that the attention is going to work a dog. How, how does that work out for you? Did it come clear? The difference? Actually, no matter what kind of meditation you're doing, the only way you succeed at it is by having the awareness that you're thinking a thought. Because when you're thinking a thought, you're not you're not doing whatever practice you intended to do and it doesn't take very long before thinking the thought completely (coughs) erases any any uh, memory at all of what it was you're intending to do and the same thing can happen with sensations although most of the time what Mm -hmm. happens is you you go to the sensation like the barking of the dog and then that triggers a thought like, you know, I wish they put their dog away, you know, and that leads to something else and so forth. But that's introspective awareness. That's the awareness of what's actually happening in your mind is the only thing that ever allows you to develop any degree of stability of attention. Sometimes it happens after the fact. Sometimes you've forgotten what you're doing and you've sat there. And daydream for a minute or two but then you suddenly come into the present and you realize this is what I'm supposed to be doing that's the introspective awareness there and at that point you can come back to the meditation object but at other times you will realize your mind you realize that you're thinking a thought before you've totally forgotten about the meditation object before you cease to follow the sensation of the breath of course, at that time you just bring your focus back. And, uh, there's no real interruption in the practice. There's just this momentary deviation. So mindfulness—this is mindfulness, you right? See, see that it's mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So, if you try to develop concentration, you can't help but develop mindfulness,
1: because
0: the only way you can actually keep a stable attention is to become sufficiently mindful keep bringing yourself back. And if you become successful at it over time so that you can keep your attention on an object for a long period of time, it's because you've developed quite strong mindfulness. If you ever hear anybody say that mindfulness and concentration are two different practices, do me a favor and laugh in their face.
2: To finally relax, and I can have, be aware of the outside, and then have the focus on the breath. And sometimes, when I'm in that state, I get flooded with images of things, yeah. and and then it's not related to any conscious thought.
0: Is how how do you handle something? like that? when you have images coming up, well, just in general, if if your object is to train your mind so that your attention is stable and so that you have strong mindfulness, mm-hmm. what you do is is you be aware of what's happening. Mm-hmm. All these images are arising. And you do your best to stay with your meditation object okay. allowing those images to be there in the background. Okay. Um, One of the things that you don't ever really, that you don't really benefit from ever, is trying to make something that's happening stop. (laughs) But images are coming, let the image come. But that doesn't keep you from trying to keep your focus on the meditation object. There is Mm -hmm. no need to try to make the image stop. Same thing, thoughts are coming, let the thought come. Let it be in the background. As As you go along in this process, as your mind becomes trained, you do reach a place where you have single-pointed concentration and there's nothing else happening. But it's not because you shut anything down. Mm -hmm. It's because you created certain conditions in your mind, and your mind, when that happens, your mind stops presenting you with all these distractions in the background. Thank
1: you.
0: So, did is, is it is it clearer now the difference between peripheral awareness and attention and have some sense of how both of them are present at the same time and you can learn you can learn to use them both effectively at the same time the a natural function of awareness is to alert you to something that requires attention. There's a tremendous amount of information coming into your mind in every moment. And 99 point whatever percent of it is of no particular relevance. But some of it is really important. And it's the job of peripheral awareness to Sort through all that, and when something important happens, to bring to to bring attention to that attention depends upon peripheral awareness to be to be utilized effectively for your attention. You have very limited capacity for what you can attend to, and so the function of peripheral awareness is to make sure that that you pay attention to the things that are most important. So if you have mindfulness, of course this means you go through your life as a much more effective individual because you're paying attention to the things that are most important. And to the degree that you get caught up and lose peripheral awareness, you don't pay attention to things that are most important. When you're meditating, Peripheral awareness does the same thing. Peripheral awareness has, as part of its, the information that it's using, the intention that you set to follow the breath, for example. The intention is to follow the breath. So when peripheral awareness notices that that's not what's happening, peripheral awareness is what allows you to bring your attention back to the breath and continue doing what you intended to do. So both in daily life and on the cushion. This is this is an extremely important role of peripheral awareness. It's only because you've set the intention to meditate that peripheral awareness regards the meditation object as the thing that you should be paying attention to. And so there's a way that you can think of this. You can say, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make myself pay attention to my breath. And true, there is going to be an intention as a part of that. But all the effort you put into making the mind stay where you want it to mm-hmm. is not going to have nearly as much effect as if you put the same amount of effort in... Sustaining a strong intention. Does that make sense to you? It's a subtle difference. Yeah, that. Put your effort into sustaining a strong intention. If you sustain a strong intention to keep your attention on the ground, peripheral awareness is going to use that information to keep alerting. Attention anytime it starts to go somewhere else and bringing it back to the breath. You let, in other words, you let the mind, you let this part of the mind do the work. This fantasy that you have that there's a you in here with a will that makes things happen, you can put a lot of effort into that trying to make the mind stay on the breath. And it's not going to be nearly as effective as just having a really strong intention. Let me illustrate that. Okay, I bet you think you can move your arm. But if you really think about it, what happens? I have the intention to move my arm, and it moves. You know what I mean? I have the intention, and it happens. And, of course, physiologically, I know there's an incredible amount of stuff that goes into my arm moving. Starting in my brain, all kinds of different parts of my brain, neural pathways, going down the nerves to the muscles, muscles contracting, things like that. Let's say you were tossing a ball at me. If I had the intention to catch the ball go just the right place, right? And you know, there's a lot of timing. The hand has to arrive at that place at the same time the ball. The timing has to be perfect. The positioning has to be perfect. The different all the different muscles that control the fingers, you know, the, 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 the position my fingers are in to grasp the ball has to be just right. But all I do is have the intention in to catch the ball. And all of these other processes that I can't really honestly say that it's I that's doing all these things, right? They just happen. And the same thing's true in terms of what's going on in the mind. If you have the intention to catch the ball, the first few times somebody throws the ball to you, you remember when that happened, you didn't catch it. But because you had the intention and kept trying, you got to where now you can always catch the ball. The same thing's true. If you have the intention to use your mind in a particular way, and you continue to exercise that intention... After a while, it takes care of itself. That's all you need to do is to have the intention. Yeah?
1: So the intention is reinforced or established from the first begin of medication, or at the beginning of the day, or
0: throughout the day, or what would you, how would you use that? Well, the more often the, if you, it's, it's a matter of setting the intention and holding the intention. And when the intention gets lost, resetting it and holding it again, depending on what the intention is to do with, the more the more often you set the intention and the longer you're able to hold it, the more training takes place until it becomes automatic. So, in terms of training the mind. Uh, on the one hand, if you want to train the mind so that attention stays where you put it, if you hold that intention and you work with that long enough, you'll come to a point where the mind does that automatically. You know, And a lot of you have already experienced that. that when you first began, it was really, really difficult to keep your mind on a meditation object for any period of time. But then you reach a point where as soon as the mind starts to go away, some automatic process, you may observe that it started to, and you may observe that it was brought back, but you didn't really do anything. So the intentions lead to actions, and when they're repeated enough, those become habits of mind. So training attention and meditation is creating a habit whereby you no longer need to, I mean, ultimately, when you become a really skilled meditator, you no longer need to be vigilant for your attention deviating. The mind will take care of that, and it will automatically bring it back. Similar with mindfulness, if you practice mindfulness intentionally, the more intentionally you practice, the more automatic it will be. So... If I tell you to go and be mindful for the rest of the day, you might find that that's an enormously difficult thing to do. But the more time you spend practicing being mindful, either on the cushion or off, but most especially both, it's eventually going to become automatic. And mindfulness is going to be a part of who you are. It's going to become a part of the way your mind works and that's really that's really how mindfulness training works so if you close your eyes and you have the intention that whenever an image appears in your mind to label that as image or whenever you find yourself talking to yourself thoughts verbal thoughts happening label that talking or whenever you have whenever you experience feelings in your body that uh, are emotional in nature, you practice labeling that as feeling, what you're doing in that process is you're training the mind to become aware of what it's doing and what's happening. You're training the mind to know that it's talking to itself. You're training the mind to know when it's presenting images. You're training the mind to know when emotions are coming up. And, of course, this allows you then, without making any effort at all, if, if you just do this, at some point you're going to realize, well, those thoughts or images are associated with these emotions and there's a connection and, and it makes it easier to deal with. That's one way of training yourself in mindfulness. What you're actually doing is you're setting the intention, and for a long time what you intend doesn't really happen. You get lost in other stuff, right? But over time, more and more often you're able to succeed in this. You're training yourself in introspective awareness of what's happening in your own mind. The labeling labeling isn't necessary after a while. The reason you do the labeling is it forces you to identify what's happening. The other thing you'll notice is that when you label it, whatever's happening stops. If there's images, you label images and the images evaporate. Of course, there's other kinds of things, like if you are hearing or seeing or touching or something like that. Those will continue. But the mental things, the mental act of paying attention to what your mind is doing becomes what the mind is doing. So at that point, the mind's no longer doing what it was. It's now it's now looking at itself and categorizing what it was doing a moment before ago mm-hmm. before I looked at itself and putting a label on it. But it's a very effective way of Training your mind to become aware of what it's doing. <clears throat> uh, if, you, if you go on a Vipassana retreat and you're told to observe the rise and fall of your abdomen, and then if you notice that you're uh, that you're hearing the sound of a car outside and you're able to hear and hear and hear until it stops. If you're thinking, you label it thinking, thinking. And of course, it takes about two thinkings and it's gone. Actually, it was, it was gone as soon as you uh, went looking for the right label to put on it. But there, it leaves a little residue, and it takes it takes a second or two for that imprint that, it, that the thinking left behind to go away, so you can squeeze in a label or two before it's gone. But ultimately, you reach the point where no label's necessary. If you're thinking, you know you're thinking. If you're listening, you know you're listening. Yeah.
1: So, is this sort of the concept of non striving then? Because I have never understood that properly, experientially. Um, well, can you your question? Yes. Yeah.
0: Is this non striving? Um, this is an aspect of non striving. Really, the problem, one of the problems that we have. Because we're convinced that we are the agent in charge of making things happen. Right? Whatever happens, I'm responsible for it. I have to do it. I want to pay attention to the meditation object. I have to do it. I have to keep from being distracted. I have to do something. So there's this idea of, I am doing something. And a tremendous amount of energy can go into that. And it's not very effective, because, well, at, 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 the, at its basis, it's all an illusion. There is, there's no one in here that's in charge. There's no one in charge. There are a whole bunch of mental processes all interacting. And some one of them may be dominant at some point time or another, but it can't stay that way. And what actually happens depends more than anything else on a consensus amongst the different mental processes. So when we strive, we get locked into the idea that we are an imaginary self that can make things happen. And so we divert a lot of energy into a relatively ineffective process. We're still, the problem with striving is that it's always disappointing and it's always discouraging. And so it, it robs you of, of, your, of your motivation. Um, it, it's an interesting thing that the ego does, though. See, it's the ego that feels like it's in charge and it has to do things. And so you sit down to meditate and the ego says, okay, well, I can do this. If he can do it, I can do it. I'm as good as anybody else. I'm going to do this. And so you start trying to do it. And it isn't happening. And so the ego needs to find a way out. If the ego tries really hard, if the ego tries really hard then afterwards you can say it's not my fault I tried really hard Mm -hmm. and then it makes it really easy to give up that's not worth bothering with not something I'm good at Mm Maybe the next meditation shop down the street has a better way to merge that. Right
1: meditation shop. Yeah.
2: So it seems to me, you know, when you're, you're talking about a distinction between setting an intention as a kind of a non-aggressive, non-controlling way for us to find ourselves following the meditation object, yeah. you know, versus believing in me, that we, you know, making ourselves meditate, as you mm-hmm. say. But it seems to me that it would be, you know, perfectly easy, and I find myself doing this regularly to make myself set an intention. You know, I'm going to set an intention. Kind of taking this, adopting exactly the same approach to setting an intention. You know, as as you say, to making myself meditate. I say, you know, if I don't set my intention, I failed or something
0: like that. So can you talk about a healthy way to set? You know, like a, yes. You know, kind of- what you're talking about I, as I don't know if you could all hear but you can make yourself set an intention and it works a lot better than making yourself do something. (laughs) That's because there's still an element of illusion in that process, but it's much closer to what's really happening. Uh, How to... If you think of your mind as many different processes, there are involved in your conscious activities. And the involved and at any given moment there are a certain number of mental processes involved in the conscious <laughs> experience of the moment. Connected with that, each of those processes has an intention. So the I that am making myself form an intention is that collective. And what I'm doing is trying to get all the different parts, of, or as many different parts as I can of my mind to share the same intention. And that works. That works, that works a lot better. Uh, then, in a sense, the, the I that's doing the making is really one mental process that's trying to bring the rest into a consensus. (coughs) So,
2: Can you talk a little bit about the subjective experience of what what that might sound like internally? You know, because I think of talking to myself and saying, so we're all going to sit
1: down and meditate now. You know, we all want to do this because of you know, this reason. What do you
0: do? You think about what you subjectively do is you think about reasons for meditating and at the same time you'll find yourself also thinking about reasons for not meditating (laughs) (laughs) and so both of those things are there and if you if you end up meditating it's because there ended up being sufficient support for meditating as opposed to to not meditating all of those different thoughts that you're having are the process. And so, if you ask me the question, well, how did I strengthen my intention to meditate? Supply yourself with a lot of really good reasons to meditate that you can bring up as a part. You know, when you're at that point where you're thinking about meditating <coughs> and you're also thinking about not meditating, mm-hmm. the more pro-meditating thoughts that you already have available to you the easier it's going to be to end up with the right result. If you don't have enough pro-meditating thoughts, then no no matter how much struggle you go through, the conclusion you're going to come to is, I'm going to go do this instead and I'll meditate some other time. Mm -hmm. So the best thing that you can do, rather than focusing on the, you know, uh, like I say, it's it's like a little talking circle where everybody's trying to come into consensus. So, the, the, the time to... If, if you want to influence the way the consensus comes out, the time to do it isn't when the talking circle is happening so much as before. It's gathering all of... having re, re, uh, Refreshing your inspiration, uh, renewing your motivation... That, that's why hanging out with people that uh, like to do the things that you want to do helps so much. Reading about them, uh, talking about them, sharing them with other people, attending talks and lectures, all of these things. Because what they do is they supply you with a whole lot of reasons that when you're not sure whether you want to do it or not, are going to help, help you to do it.
1: And I find also that the intention after meditating and after doing practices and sitting can help in that future bringing the
0: consensus together. Too. The intention after in the sense right, of, right. oh, this was great, I want to do this again. Right. Yeah. Yes, actually, yes. that's absolutely yes. That's, that's really one of the most important things you can do. Positive reinforcement. If it's good, just really, you know, really get into the goodness of it and, you know, have thoughts like, oh, this is really good. I want to do this more often. You know, that, that's good. Uh, if you're sitting and med- meditating, if, if you've had trouble getting yourself to sit down and then you sit down and say, actually, this feels really good. Take a little time to dwell on that, how good <laughs> it feels, because that's going to make it easier next time. And the opposite is true, too. If you sit down to meditate and you find your mind is really restless and you're feeling very impatient, you know, don't don't dwell on the thoughts about that. Just try to relax into a state of, okay, this is the way it is right now, I'm just going to do what I have to do, (coughs) it's going to be better next time, Because to the degree that, you know, negative reinforcement works the same way, positive reinforcement You sit there and say, this is stupid, why am I doing this, I should have phoned so and so, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's going to work against you.